Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. From Touchstone Pictures, Max never went looking for trouble. Trouble just seemed to find him. And now he's got a genie. Make it three wishes. Who just won't get out of his face. Gotta want something, kid. I wish I had junk food to Welcome to They Call This Movie, testing the strength of friendships one terrible movie at a time. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and other podcast services by searching They Call This a Movie. We're part of the Main Damie Network, and to find more from us, check out the website at themaindamie.com or on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at The Main Damie. We are also now a proud member of Geek Vibes Nation, and you can find them at gvnation.com. Welcome back to They Call This Movie. I am Anthony Del Vecchio. With me today is Mark Meyer. Say hello, Mark. Hey. Um, I I love when you try and surprise me and make this into a uh, celebration of the new Veronica Mars series uh, by having uh, a movie with Francis Capra in it. Um, <laughs> so I'm glad that was your secret meaning behind this movie. Yes, uh, that, that was my plan all along. Uh... Yeah. Well, at least you're getting better with your opening uh, opening <laughs> jokes, Mark. Uh, it's Dan. Dan makes me nervous. Yeah. <laughs> just uh, he's just so swole. You get uh, yeah. a little intimidated by it. Yeah. All them gains. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Dan is not with us today. He is having a vacation. Uh, I guess from this podcast because he doesn't work otherwise. <laughs> so he's down in Florida having uh, a miserable time running around God's creation across a number of parks. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Doing, <laughs> don't things, know. doing things I can't see Dan being it, too ecstatic about. It sounds exhausting. <laughs> uh, that's all. Um, but yeah, um, he's in, he's in Disney world, Disney worlding it up, which I haven't been to as an adult. So I really don't know what that experience is like. Um, and I don't really have any interest currently of finding out what it's like. Uh, expensive, I'm I yes. a, assuredly, and yeah, exhausting, perfect. most assuredly. Yeah, um, yeah. My, my sister tends to go down there every so often. Well, and she I has just, kids. Yeah, well, yeah. But they, um, I think it's more for them, to <laughs> be honest. Uh, and I just can't imagine the amount of money that yeah. she spends on it. Because it's it's one thing going down for your kids and just doing what they do, but she likes to do the extra adult stuff mm-hmm. that's down there, like the restaurants. And um, I at one point when Ava was really young, um, they did a they when they said a comedy club down there. And mm. I'm like, I don't know how you spend like sixty bucks or whatever it is to get into the parks, then go go pay a cover. But wait, wait, wait! Do you think it's sixty dollars to get into the parks? I don't know. Oh, my goodness, Mark. You naive little boy. I have never looked into it. 
So I I, I would when you get a chance, just Google how much it, it costs <laughs> to go to Disney World. <laughs> because if it costs sixty dollars, I'd be planning a trip tomorrow. <laughs> Are you going to be like that meme of Spirit Airlines where everybody's like, "I'll never do Spirit again." Round trip to Miami for fifty bucks, and then it's a photo <laughs> of the people squeezed into. The- <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, speaking of Disney. Yeah. This week is the release of the live-action Aladdin film. Despite most people's protests, uh, that movie is eventually going to come out, and that's this weekend. So, to celebrate, we picked the only other genie movie we could think of. That uh, came out. That, why is there... Oh, yes, of course. Yeah. The only other genie movie that we can prove exists, I should say. <laughs> Um, unfortunately, we could not find Shazam starring Sinbad uh, and with enough time to watch it and give a proper review. So we are stuck watching the 1996 film Kazam starring Shaquille O'Neal. Yeah, we, uh, we seem to have a theme for when Dan's not here. We're going to watch movies with NBA players in it, apparently. Yeah, uh, so we have Space Jam left. Yes. Um, and that's roughly it, I think. We could probably find something. I, oh, well, there's a, what is it? The uh, Fish to Save Pittsburgh or whatever that's Dr. J movie is. Sure. There's also um, My Giant starring yeah. George Murasan. Yeah. We, we got plenty for when Dan yeah. wants to take vacations. Uh, yeah. Kazam. Uh, Mark, have you ever seen Kazam before this? No. No. Because no. if, if I would have, I wouldn't have been so happy to see young Francis Capra. Okay. show up in this movie because Weevil's probably one of my favorite characters in Veronica Mars. Man, so. you're just just two two mentions of Francis Capra, and we're not even we're not even five minutes into this <laughs> podcast. Uh, I get it, okay, Mark. Yeah. Uh, uh, so it's surprising that neither of us have seen it because I haven't seen it either because we were we were 11 at the time. This feels yeah. like it should have been a movie right in our wheelhouse, but yeah, I, I kind of was... always assumed that this movie sucked even when I was a kid. Yeah, I was too busy watching the Mortal Kombat movie at sure. this point in my life. You had uh, you had achieved good taste in your life at that point. <laughs> Apparently, is that what you're trying to say? Yeah, yeah. I was like, I was too busy watching refined culture like yeah. Mortal Kombat and Street Fighter. He was a man of culture in, at the age of eleven. Yes, watching those terrible movies. So yeah, Kazam. What what what's your what's your take on Kazam? Um. My my first take right away is um, it was very mid nineties, mm-hmm. uh, down to you know obviously the clothes and all would be because it was shot in that time period. It's not a period piece, um, but even down to the the music and you know what what they assumed was cool back then, you know and uh, and it was just I was just like oh I remember this time, I remembered the brat and <laughs> you know. And all these other things that just kept popping up in this movie, and um, yeah, it was it, it was a movie that it, I think it outside of uh, the wonderful world of was it the 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 dog wizard movie, um, Amazing Wizard of Paws. Paws, that's it. Um, this is the one of the ones only ones that we watched that is definitely a pure kids movie. Sure, like like this wasn't anything like trying to toe a line or you know, be more than it it should be, like Double Dragon ties to toe that line. Um, and for that reason, I wasn't as 
I was confused by things, but I wasn't as bored by it as, as I've been with some of those other movies. Okay. That's a little surprising to hear. I was bored out of my fucking mind <laughs> with this movie. It's definitely a time and place sort of movie. Like, there's definitely a era of movies that this movie fits into. Yeah. Um, most of those were sports related, like Rookie of the Year and The Sandlot, and even, you know, going up to movies like Space Jam, I suppose, and like that Macaulay Culkin, The Page Master. It's like, uh, yeah. like that just kind of that era of movies where with live action films directed towards kids kind of all kind of sort of see of sameness like a kid in kid Ar- king arthur's court uh yeah. was was that time too that was a disney movie i believe um and this one was just kind of bland it was like it just wasn't very good um shaquille o'neal is a slightly better than kevin durant was yeah. in yes. in thunderstruck um we were talking a little off air about how you know, Shaquille O'Neal is naturally a very funny person. He's got, he's, and I don't think he was quite as funny when he was 24. Um, no. I think as he got older, he got a little more uh, uh, self-deprecating. Yeah. Uh, you know, he called himself exactly. the big Aristotle because everyone kind of saw him as just this giant dopey dude. Yeah. Um, and he kind of leaned into that, and obviously with his commentary career, he got you know even more so with banter between him and Charles Barkley. Um, and I, as as I mentioned, as we're, we said off air, this movie he might have been better if this movie happened maybe like ten years later. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, or maybe even five years later. Yeah, um, yeah, because because he, could... he kind of yeah. doesn't have he doesn't have it yet. Yeah, he's still kind of a probably a brash 24 year old this is probably this is right around where he tries to make it as a uh as a a rap artist so it's kind of he's you know he's he's trying to be he's trying to be a star here Um, so there's no humility yeah and i was gonna say exactly that was leading right into my point is that this point in his life he thought he was funny you know and everything he did was funny rather than just being funny um, which is what he is more now, where he just kind of gets that that vibe where he doesn't he doesn't need to be cool when every time he tells a joke or makes a comment, um, he can tell dad jokes, mm-hmm. you know, and and do do insane stuff. The NBA on TNT stuff um, every so often is just gold because he'll him and even if it's Kenny Smith or Ernie Johnson, he'll just go off on some tangent for no reason because Shaq just says something. Or tries to make a corny joke off of something, and it just—they're just able to banter from there. And that seemed what this was missing. It was like, all right, here's these lines I got. I'm being told they're supposed to be funny. Here's me trying to be cool slash funny, so I'm not made fun of, you know, when I go back in the locker room. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's where, like I said, that's, that's where it hurts it a little bit. Maybe, maybe it's because um, um, I could uh, be a little more tolerable of Shaq um, in terms of like entertained by him uh, maybe that's why i found it a little less boring than you um uh, i don't know i'm just trying to think of reasons why i didn't wasn't bored out of my skull like you are <laughs> um but yeah essentially this movie is um the better version of what kevin durant was trying to do and what you know ray allen tried to do even though he was a little bit better 
and and he got game uh, than 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 even probably both of these guys. Um, sure. Uh, I mean, in their defense, yeah, uh, Ray Allen was starring in a Spike Lee movie. Yeah, <laughs> Jesus Shuttlesworth. Yeah, as opposed to Shaquille O'Neal starring in a Paul Michael Glazer movie. <laughs> if you True. don't know the name True. Paul Michael Glazer, uh, he is Starsky from Starsky and Hutch, which apparently yep. he decided that he was going to direct and come up with a story of what we see for Kazam. It is yeah. it is based on his story idea. He didn't write the script. It was written by Christian Ford and one other person. Uh, but he gets a, a, a story by credit. Uh, yeah. yeah, so so we have those people to blame for the uh, constantly rhyming genie throughout yeah. this movie. It's ooh, it's just like fish in a barrel sort of rhymes too. <laughs> yeah, they're like not very clever, and and you can tell when Shaq liked the rhyme and when he did not, because he delivered them much differently. When mm-hmm. he, I, you could feel that he thought it was clever. Sure. Yeah, <laughs> which is kind of interesting. Uh, wondering, I wonder how many takes they actually did, um, where they were like, "No, Shaq, you got to be consistent. You're 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 saying this this person would think all these lines are great." <laughs> Kazam holds a 2.9 on IMDb and a 6 on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. We we found out when I was on um uh, to to plug a, a Geeks Five Nation thing on Geeks Against the Grain that apparently um anything that's uh boring and comedy related tends to get a low IMDb score but for some reason action movies are all in the 5s and 6s no matter how bad they are. So it's just a weird thing with IMDb that we discovered over two hours on that podcast. Um, but I am not surprised to hear those numbers. Um, I wonder what um, I wonder what the score would have been in a more um, like, I, I guess, like how it seems like scores are a little bit um, lower nowadays for crap than even they were then. Like, um, if you if you know what I'm saying about uh, Owen Rotten Tomatoes and stuff. So I wonder if this would have been one of those, like, Holmes and Watson situation and would have hung at zero for a while. Um, and wouldn't even have gotten up to a, a six at any point. Yeah, it's, uh, it's kind of, it's, it's just, it exists. Yeah. And it's, it doesn't do anything with Shaquille O'Neal's natural charisma. Um, kind of hampers him. Um, uh, what's your obsession with Francis Capra? Is huh? I, no, I didn't realize that this kid was like anything besides he plays Weevil in Veronica Mars, okay. which is like, um, in my opinion, probably the second best character on the show. Um, you know, he begins as like a the other side of the tracks biker sort of bad guy, you think, but he's actually probably the you know squeaky clean person in the entire city. Because the rich people are all corrupt and stealing money and stuff like that. Um, so him and Veronica basically become friends because he gets the information from, you know, the, the more seedier side of, of the city. And just their relationship and his him developing that character through the at least the first two. I really liked his performance in there. And it's uh, just surprising. I had completely forgotten that he had any kind of career before Veronica Mars. Because I assumed that was like his break since it was like a, a UPN CW show, you know, it seemed like it'd be right for a guy they found in auditions um, to do it. But 
Yeah, and he has a lot of the... The one thing I noticed is he does a lot of the same little... Um, he has the acting tick of, like, uh, certain ways he when he gets uh, mad or frustrated. You know, just the way he looks or huffs off um, when mad. I'm like, oh, he does that same thing when he's 20 years older. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of funny. Um, but... Yeah, no, I, I just really like him as an actor, at least on Veronica Mars. I haven't seen him much in anything, so it was pretty it was pretty interesting to see him randomly pop up in, in Kazam of all <laughs> movies. Okay. Uh, yeah, he made his breakout in A Bronx Tale. He played the nine-year-old version of Collegero, oh, yeah. who was our lead in A Bronx Tale. Um, that's, that's mostly it. Yeah. Um, in terms of that, before he popped up on Veronica Mars. Yeah, that's why I was uh, surprised to see him on something, because I, I completely does, forgot about Bronx Tale, too. Does but. he have these face tattoos in real life? I don't think so. Okay, because his IMDb picture has them all tatted up, so he Maybe looks like he a real gangbanger. Um, yeah. And apparently he's had pretty shitty, he had a pretty shitty childhood. His uh, dad was in and out of jail um, until his eventual shooting death in 2003. So... Yeah. Uh, very much like his character in Kazam. His yep. dad was a piece of shit. Yes, very uh, much so. <laughs> and if there is one thing you take away from this movie, it's that his dad was a piece of shit in this movie. And really and really didn't deserve what happens at the end. But yeah. we'll get there. There, there uh, are so many moments like that in the movie, which we'll get to as you run through the plot. Mm-hmm. That I'm yeah. like, I don't, why? Okay. <laughs> This movie stars Shaquille O'Neal, Francis Capra, Ali Walker, and James Ackeson. Axon? I don't know. Uh, and then a whole bunch of other people. It also uh, has, a, has a couple of other people that I'm going to mention later. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that you might know. You might not know. But I will announce them to you. Fawn Reed is also in this movie. I don't know where she, if she's in anything. She was in First Kid, which is also one of those movies, like right in this this wheelhouse. Yeah, yeah this this was like Blank Check and Blank Check. Yeah, Three Ninjas, the Richie Rich movie, Richie Rich. Yeah, all same era. Um, Parent Trap. Parent Trap. Which Parent Trap? Who was Parent uh, Trap? Lindsay then? Lohan. No, that was years later. Come it on, Mark. Okay, I didn't know how far we were stretching this out. Okay. Oh, 98. Okay, I'll give it to you. I thought it was like 2000s. Like, I didn't know if you were doing just like right around 96 or because I knew it was like late 90s, early 2000s. All right. Well, we were getting a little older in our lives, so it yeah. felt like it was different, but yeah, I'll <laughs> give it to you. Um, yeah, so I guess we should might, might as well get into the plot. I'm going to try and go as fast as possible because I was, yeah. as I mentioned, I was bored. Um, this yeah. plot is not very interesting. No. Uh, we open up in an old lamp factory because that that's a thing. <laughs> um, being demolished. There's one the, of the, using moment number one. Yeah. Uh, apparently, there's a thing called a uh, lamp factory, not the lamps you're thinking of, the one that light your house, the ones you think ge- genies hide in. Yeah. Um, it's being demolished, and I I guess this is New York. Um, there are some establishing shots that I think it's actually technically Brooklyn, um, but they never mention it by name. Uh, there are some shots that look like uh, some bridges, um, but there. So we we go into the the factory that's being demolished, and there's one lamp that during the demolition falls over, and we get to see it in slow motion, accompanied yeah. by 
horror like screams yeah from inside the bottle uh doesn't sound like shaquille o'neal but um <laughs> it's supposed to be um it's a very short scene and then it cuts to our mulleted hero walking through the halls of his school his name is max and he's walking through with coolio's fantastic voyage playing yep. in the background first first moment where i was like okay i i know when time this was released so uh the our first instance of finding uh, of meeting our hero he's dragging a set of keys across uh school property uh lockers specifically so we get a, a sense immediately that this, this kid is probably a dick yeah so he's yeah. just kind of roaming the halls um he gets dragged into the bathroom by a gang of punks and they're going to beat him up for something, for money. He's only got like two bucks on him. So instead of getting his ass beat, he says that the key that he is ha- has in his hand um, is a key to like a jewelry case in the department store. Um, yeah. So they can go steal some shit. Uh, part of this gang is Wade Robson. You know yeah. Wade Robson? <laughs> yes, I know Wade. Uh, for people who don't know, Wade Robson is a very famous choreographer, worked with uh, people like Britney Spears uh, and others. And, and but also, unfortunately, uh, Wade Robson is one of the people that was allegedly molested by Michael Jackson. Yeah, I, I, I knew of him before um, Finding Neverland. Yeah. So um, he used to have like a set of like VHS tapes about how to become how to, like dance. Yeah. Yeah. And he. Yeah, I think the first time I, I knew him was when they used to do the making the music video or whatever on MTV. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah I think it's the first time I heard that name. Yes. And also part of this gang is Efren Ramirez, who would later <laughs> become Pedro from Napoleon yeah. Dynamite. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I did not know. <laughs> I, not, I would say I would go back <laughs> and see it, but no, I could probably just find photos. Yeah. Um, it looks just like him. Wade Robson was a little harder to find. He's the kid with the blonde hair, I believe. Okay. Um, so they beat him up, but then they take they take his key. They, so they don't beat him up too bad. Uh, he goes back to class and he gets detention for stealing the supply co- closet key and for wasting his teacher's time. Essentially. Yeah. He comes home to a very w- exasperated but well-meaning single mom. Yep. Uh, that has to deal with a shitty kid on her own. Yeah. Uh, she breaks the news to him that she's going to get engaged to her very nice firefighter boyfriend, Travis. Yeah. Who I thought was somebody the whole time in that first scene. I was like, he has to be like something, like been on some like ensemble, you know, copper um, uh, firefighter show or something. Um, and I think he was on some New York undercover for a little bit, but you know, nothing like, I I thought he was a little more established than he was. He just has that, that like, uh, third detective in the squad look to him. Yeah. He's, he's just an Italian guy. Yeah. (laughs) Basically. Um, but he's very, he's, he's supposed to be a very nice guy in this, in this movie. He's a firefighter, which is kind of the antithesis of what his real dad is in this movie. Um, so Max leaves the apartment in a huff. He rides off on his bike and the bullies are after him because they realize that the key doesn't open anything in the jewelry store. It opens the supply closet of the school. Yeah. Um, 
They then threaten to sodomize him with said key. key. Yeah. And In a then, kid's movie. Yeah. Um, they don't say it explicitly, but <laughs> it's there basically yeah. says, I know where I'm going to, what this key will open. I guess that means his butthole. <laughs> Um, so chase ensues and max hides in the abandoned lamp factory falls through the floor uh like for four stories yeah somehow doesn't die got a very very uh john wick body to him yeah just falls cracks on the ground you're like oh he must be dead (laughs) yeah you would think he would die in that (laughs) one because he survives he doesn't survive a uh, another fall later um spoiler alert um while he's hiding, he accidentally turns on a boombox. And as he's about to get beat by the bullies, out pops a rapping genie out of that boombox, played by Shaquille O'Neal. <laughs> uh, it's just, it's the idea of, uh, I gotta say slightly, um, it's dumb that it's a boombox, um, to be honest. Uh, but... The, I, I like the idea that he it's he's a genie not just like trapped to a lamp, but that he, he has to inhabit something mm-hmm. because there's a there's a scene later on where Shaq tries to act and he just explains all the different things he's been in, you know, over the years and how it, like he got into a compass and then he was on a ship that sunk and you know mm-hmm. and I'm like oh that must have sucked like you know if he keeps getting transferred into all these little things you know and. and Nobody knows that it's a genie in there. It'll get tossed away or he'll be buried for thousands of years. You know, it, it, that's an interesting concept. Um, I think they just wanted a boombox in this movie. Uh, sure. For, for multiple, uh, like, set pieces later on. Mm-hmm. Um, but th- out of all the things in this movie, there, there are two genie concepts that I really like. Um, and, and they both come up here, so I'll mention them. The fact that he can go into live in anything. It's not just a set lamp. Um, that we see in, in all uh, most cartoon fiction with it. And also the fact that he can only uh, do material wishes. Sure. Like you can't wish for love or happiness or anything like that. And I'm like, that's a pretty good way of limiting it mm-hmm. to, you know, give give the character some growth. He's not an all-powerful genius. Right. And, and yeah, and it sets up a nice weird... Um, dynamic but but I'll, I'll give him credit for that those two things were pretty interesting um to me but everything else about the whole genie thing the rhyming and all that no it was it wasn't good uh so kazam has been in his bottle or some version of uh entrapment for thousands of years and he hasn't used his powers in quite a while so he's rusty um he tries to tries to do a uh, try to grant Max's first wish, which I think is a, a Jaguar convertible or something like that, and he just yeah. can't do it. Um, he accidentally makes himself disappear, um, and then were, Max gets beat up by the goons. Well, yeah, they were definitely sponsored by that Jaguar because Max specifically said three times yep. the exact make and model of that car. Yeah, if if Jaguar didn't give them enough money, they sure got a lot of money from Pepsi. Yes, that comes up later, which is... There are several Pepsi sponsorships here. Yeah, I think Shaq was sponsored by Pepsi. Probably. Um, so Max gets beat up by the goons um, and then goes home. Uh, his mom and Travis see that he's been beaten up, and Max acts like a total dick to his mom again. Yep. Um... Travis tries to be his father figure, 
um, but it doesn't work because Max is a dick. And he goes to lay down on his bed. Does Max have a giant hole in his the roof of his of his room? Because he's always staring up at the stars. I think I he has one of those like fake star things. I guess, but it looks a little too real. It's like yeah. it doesn't look like a real sky, but it definitely doesn't look at what, like one of those fake ones. Um, yeah, so I think I it might have been one he, he constructed himself because it shows that he's like a little bit of an engineer. Okay. Um, and he might have strung the lights up himself or whatever mm-hmm. uh, to do the shapes because of that. The hideout he goes to later, you know, right. seems like he, uh, you know, set all that up. He's like a twelve-year-old electrical engineer, yeah. apparently. Which never really, really, never really comes into play nope. at any time. I don't know. So the next, the next morning, Max finds some divorce papers that have his dad's address on it. So he sets out to go try and find his dad. And Kazam, Kazam follows him. Um, and basically, all Kazam really wants is just him to just make three wishes. because So he could be on his way. Yeah. I guess. Um, a, I like how they do the... Uh, um, the, the, like, it's a, the wish being like literal. And like he, he makes the offhanded comment, I want junk food from the floor to the sky. Mm-hmm. And instead of just having it fill up magically, it just pours from the ceiling to fill. Yeah. Uh, which is, which is, uh, I, I like when they do, uh, you know, literal takes on wishes. Um, it's a thing that comes up, you know, where um, you got you to gotta watch what you say to a genie. And, you know, um, even though Shaq lets him out of a bunch of wishes. Sure. multiple points in this like he's the arbiter of whether the wish counts but i thought that was a pretty cool scene it, you know with the fries raining down and stuff like that mm-hmm. um at least when you keep it in the context of a kid's sure um so max goes to sneak into his dad's club to meet him um his dad has no idea who he is and he just kind of kicks max out and there max you see that? where he gets his dick being a dick from yeah so from there max goes to his secret hideout um, which, as you mentioned, is fully uh, uh, has full electrical capabilities, um, which kind of looks like the set of Roundhouse. You remember Roundhouse? Yeah, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, uh, kind of looks like the set of Roundhouse. Yeah, um, he makes bike ramps and all that. Yeah, uh, this is where Kazam shows up at his secret hideout just to rub it in his face that his dad doesn't know who he is. <laughs> um, Kazam continues to pressure max to make three wishes because he's basically tethered to him at this point he can't be he can't move on until he makes his his three wishes and this sets off a weird bike race where max starts riding his bike really fast around the hideout and then kazam jumps on a bike too and starts pedaling after him there's nothing Uh, like seven foot one shaquille o'neal trying to pedal a bike yeah Um, (laughs) it's kind of funny at this point uh, Kazam's powers come back and he turns his bike into a flying bike and flies around the secret hideout uh, to prove that his his magic works. So Max takes his opportunity to use his first wish, which is for junk food up to the sky. Yep. Starts raining fries, burritos, and candy. Uh, complete waste of a wish. Uh, because all the the food, the actual food is not wrapped properly. So yeah. It's just splattering all over the floor, and then there's just way too much candy. Um, at this point, Max realizes that he essentially owns Kazam, and Max <laughs> is super chill with owning a black man. 
<laughs> I was wondering if you were going to mention that. Yeah, um, he is. He's pretty happy about it. Um, and Kazam isn't super, super thrilled with the idea that Max is going to drag this out for as long as he wants. Um, so Kazam tries to make Max's life a living hell. So he'd make his last two wishes so he can go back to his bottle starts tying his shoes together and you know, doing stupid little things that are just kind of annoyances. Um, yeah. They go back to Max's dad's club. Uh, Kazam gets interested in the DJ booth. Um, Max goes into the back to kind of confront his dad. This is where we get a DeBrat cameo. Yeah. Um, 1996, baby. Yeah. And DeBrat shows up like it's an episode of all that. Um, yeah. No, and she and she may be the third best actor in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> we then meet um, one of Nick, who is Max's dad, one of his associates, Asia Moon, yeah. which is a really that's weird a, name. That's a wrestler for, name. Yeah, really weird name for a woman. Um, but uh, Max reveals that he's Nick's son. And Nick is surprised and he's like, oh, yeah, you should come back and hang out in my club all the time. We're having a concert tomorrow. You should totally do that. Gives him like backstage passes. Um, Max comes home and fights with his mom again because um, yeah. he's just a dick. Yeah, his mom it... just wants to have a good relationship with a firefighter and Max for not to be an asshole. And Max can't make that work. Yeah. Essentially, they did a good job here. What you do in you know, uh, kids movies oversimplification and that the mother's being setting rules and, you know, chores and things. And the dad's being super chill and you can hang out with the brat and come to my club and, you know, do all this music stuff. Ain't I cool? You know, and sort of, you know, of course the kid that's been a dick the whole movie is going to enjoy that life over mm-hmm. the mother trying to be a parent. Sure. So uh, they go back to the club when it's time for the concert. Um, as the concert's going on, the musical act calls out Kazam uh, for a rap battle just because he sticks out like a sore thumb. Um, so I, he, I, I did enjoy Shaq doing the try to hide behind post stuff. He seemed <laughs> to be really good at that. Yeah. That was good. That was that, that, that gave me a chuckle. Um, so he rap battles with the the group. Um, I don't know what their the group name was, um, but it doesn't matter. Um, and he takes out his boombox, and it starts sparking everywhere. So he almost burns down the club and almost sets a few people on fire. Yeah. Um, and this kind of captures the attention of Malik, who is the owner of the club, and easily the most racist thing in this movie. Yeah. Um, By far. Yeah. I mean, it, it is a kids movie, so you hope that there's not many things that are racist. But <laughs> this, this is easily the most racist thing we've seen in a bit. I mean, it is Walt Disney. Yeah. So, uh, Max, is this a Disney movie? Actually, it's Bona Vista. So I don't know if that's like a subsidiary or something. I believe it is. Yeah. Um. Um. Yeah. I I thought I saw that pop up at the end. As gotcha. one of the tags. So, I believe it is, yeah. Okay. Let's say, yeah, Disney. Disney's Kazam, we're going to call it. Um, <laughs> Max goes to see his dad, and he almost walks into his dad murdering, almost murdering somebody. <laughs> um, and promptly gets kicked out of the club by his dad, telling him to stay away. Um, Kazam then gets wined and dined by Malik and Asia Moon. Um, Malik is foreign, so he eats goat eyes. 
or exactly. something like that. Um, and he smells too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and the uh, and then the part coming up um, is is one of my most confusing parts. So I'll I'll jump ahead. Is when um, Max runs into the punk kids waiting in line yeah. for the club because apparently it's an all ages club. Mm-hmm. Um, or those kids are very old, like in terms of they're like late high school age. Um, the confusing part for me is for for some reason um, he insists on wanting to impress these kids despite the fact that they beat the shit out of him all the time mm-hmm. um, and steal things from him. Um, I guess in the oversimplification of something is that he just wants to be accepted, Max. Right. So that's what they might be going for. But they never give like there's never like the good, you know, bully that sort of is, is nice to him every so often. You know, they're just they're just complete assholes to him all the time. Yeah. Um, so and then this leads to probably one of the more improbable parts of the movie. Yeah, it's is where like it's a weird moment where he like teams up with them to yeah. kind of sneak into the back of the club and beat up one of nick's goons so they steal like a tape or something like that i never fully understood what the tape was here's what i got out of it and i might be completely wrong again no need to send corrections in um the i believe what they were doing is they were taking tapes of recordings at the club and then making bootleg cds off them and then selling the bootleg cds jesus Um, what a convoluted plot (laughs) because they keep saying the tape's worth a million dollars and then there's an offhanded comment later in the movie where he goes, oh, they're just bootleg CDs, the dad says, when Max asks, what's going on down here? So <laughs> I kind of put two and two together, but it's such a convoluted, like, criminal plot and yeah. very mid-90s criminal plot. Yeah, it's like that episode of Seinfeld where they start bootlegging movies. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's like it's a million-dollar criminal enterprise. Um, <laughs> That's I'm, such an odd thing, but I, by now that you mentioned it, that's ringing a bell, and I'm pretty sure that's what it is. Yeah. Um, so the kids steal a tape, uh, and they get chased out, um, and eventually Max slinks away. He comes home, and his mom is asleep. Um, next morning, Kazam, co- uh, he wakes up, and Kazam <laughs> shows up, and Kazam might be a little drunk from the night before. <laughs> And also popping into a 12-year-old kid's bed. Yeah. Um, um, and he takes a shower in his in the middle of his bedroom because he's a ma- he's magic. Um, yeah. But um, he stinks for some reason because he's been hanging out with Malik the whole time. I guess. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah. Because Malik is foreign if you don't if you don't remember. Yeah. And eating the goat eyes makes you stink apparently. Yeah. Um, so and brec- at breakfast. Uh, Kazam pretends to be uh, his tutor um, in front of his mom, so his mom doesn't suspect anything. Um, there's some odd sexual tension between Max's mom and Kazam, or is that just me? Yeah, he leans in way too closely um, yeah. <laughs> at one point, and I'm like, ah, this is this is a little creepy, uh, Shaq. Um, I don't know if you realize it on camera, you towering over this it doesn't come across as smooth as you think it does. <laughs> um so there's a scene at breakfast where uh, kazam force feeds max french toast behind his mom's back using magic it's pretty stupid but not as stupid as the next scene because Mm -hmm. then kazam and max have a bit of a rap battle oh so 
So take you into my head as it begins. And then it goes from, you know, him teaching him and joking about it to you start hearing the music play. And I just go, no, 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 no. <laughs> it's at the beginning. Like, normally a musical interlude is something I cherish and laugh at mm-hmm. um, in movies like this. But there was no need for this to turn into <laughs> an awful, awful rap song that they yeah. created. Um, so after that, it's kind of a heart to heart between Kazam and Max where they... Kazam kind of tells him what he wants. He wants to be free. He wants to become a djinn, which is yeah. basically a free genie where he could grant wishes for himself as well as others. You know, he's never going to be free. And then Max has his heart to heart and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, this is like the emotional moment between Kazam and Max. Um, yeah, where Shaq tries to act. Yeah. At school, the street punks tell Max that uh, if the dad wants to tape back, he's going to have to pay a lot of money, which I don't know what that means for 13-year-olds, like 100 bucks maybe. Yeah. You would think if Max would have just told him, yeah. the dad would have been able to pay them all. But instead, Max goes to tell his dad, and he walks in on his dad getting beat up by Malik and his goons. Um, at this point, Max calls on Kazam because he needs his help. So I guess Kazam and Max sort of have a psychic connection. Because Matt calls for Kazam and then appears out of a glass of water because Kazam is having a date with Asia Moon. Yeah. Um, uh, Max, at this point, wishes for the tape. Um, yeah. But Kazam doesn't want Max to waste... Essentially, Kazam does not want him to waste a wish on his father. Yeah. Um, he's very, very judgmental. Yeah. Um, but he's like... He basically tells him that his dad's no good. So he tries to do the next best thing. He brings him to where the tape was being held to just try and find it. Um, and Max is like, it's not here. I just need the tape. This is my wish granted for me. And Kazam begrudgingly uh, grants him his second wish. Yeah, and then the foreshadowing line that you knew would get thrown back in his face at some point. He says, you're not my friend. You're my genie. Mm-hmm. And you're like, yep, that's going to come back. <laughs> The next day, Max's dad shows up at school. Um, the mom tries to stop. Kidnaps him? Yeah. Oh no, it's ki- it's kidnapping because he doesn't have uh, <laughs> doesn't have custody of him. Uh, demands Max turn over the tape. Uh, he does, and then his dad realizes what a, what a monster he is, <laughs> and basically says it's too late for him. He learned from my mistakes, but I'm I am who I am. Um, so at this point. Um, Kazam has a gig at Malik's um, and I guess Malik is realizing that Kazam is sort of a genie uh, he yeah. makes that assumption I think he makes that assumption pretty early on actually um, yeah. but at this point he's like confirms it so you know, Max because goes he's foreign and he's foreign he knows about genies yeah um, Max goes to Malik's um, before Kazam's gig to try and uh, wish for a second chance for his dad Kazam's like I already told you, can't grant ethereal wishes. Um, stop bothering me. I'm having a great time. I'm obsessed with fame now. <laughs> uh, so he performs, uh, and Malik steals his boombox um, and kidnaps Max. Yeah. Um, 
and he wants Max to wish for him to have all the money in the world so he could basically get all the money in the world and then he could con- he could transfer ownership of Kazam over to him. Um, yeah. and, then, and then Max says, like, the most logical thing, if you have all the money in the world, then no one else has any money, and that's not going to be worth it. Yeah. Like, trying to reason with, with it, the mobster. It is a pretty sound reasoning, reasoning yeah. from, like, a 12-year-old. It's like, if you have all the money in the world, then nobody will have money, any money, and it'll be worthless. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's pretty true, but then uh, then his Malik just says, "Then I'll have all the money, and then I'll give some of it back." <laughs> it's a pretty stupid argument between two pretty stupid people. Um, but uh, then Max and his father uh, try to escape. Um, eventually, Malik catches up to to Max, and Malik tosses Max down an elevator shaft and kills Max. Yes. Uh, at that point, Kazam is then uh, summoned to Malik as power of ownership has uh, transferred because Max is now dead. Yeah, but, uh, and Max died because Kazam ignored him yep. because he was too worried about being a rap star. Yes. So uh, Kazam confronts Malik, um, but Malik orders him back in his boombox, and at first he starts to tar- starts to go and starts to like dissipate into the boombox. But then he just summons the the power within him and uh, beats up Malik's goons using some really terrible choreography. You mean Shaq-Fu? Yes, Shaq-Fu. <laughs> um, it's really unfortunate for the the makers of this film because like they couldn't like they couldn't have a reasonably um, <clears throat> so what I'm looking for. Um, believable stunt double for Shaquille O'Neal. Yeah. So he, I, th- I guess I think, he had to do all his own Kung Fu himself. I think he actually, I don't know if this was before or after the video game, but I think he actually, that jump kick he does, I think is like actually one of the moves they put in the game. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know if he like saw the video game and was like, no, we have to do this to the stunt coordinator. And they're like, oh God, how are we going to, all right. Uh... <laughs> it's pretty bad. Yeah. It's like um, they kind of move around Shaq more than Shaq does much moving. Yeah. Sort of like uh, late late Andre the Giant stuff. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's really bad choreography. Eventually, a fire gets started, um, and Kazam picks up Malik by the throat, uh, squishes him into a basketball, and slam dunks him into a garbage chute. Yeah, so we got the three things that Shaq was known for in 1996. Rapping, Kung Fu, and basketball. Yep, and that last one comes last. Yes. So Max is super dead uh, at the bottom of the elevator shaft. Kazam is super emotional about it. Um, And he says, like, you're my best friend I've ever had. Um, If I could have a thousand wishes or whatever, it would be to to bring you back and blah, blah, blah. Uh, Yeah, Um, yeah. And then some magic happens, and <laughs> Max comes back to life. And is a complete dick immediately. Still a complete dick. <laughs> and Kazam becomes free because Max's wish for his dad to have a second chance um, is what he calls the perfect wish. Or wish. Um, and Kazam is now a djinn. Um, yep. And the CG is just yes. awful. Uh, CG in home movies just awful, but this was the worst one. Yeah, 
Um, so then Kazam uh, goes to a different plane of existence and leaves Max in a burning building. Luckily, yeah. Travis is there because he's a firefighter and pulls Max out. Um, and he's saved. And he's reunited with his mom. And Max's dad says he had a uh, like a sort of an outer body experience or a near death experience with with Kazam. Yeah. And he feels like he has a second chance and he yeah. turns himself into police. But he's like, you know, when I get back, we're going to go I hope, fishing. I hope I hope we have I hope we we spend more time together, basically. <laughs> yeah. My, my favorite part about this scene is the fact that uh, the stepdad is the worst firefighter in the planet. And that Max just goes, hey, you coming? And he's like, yeah, sure. This fire's not taken care of yet, but <laughs> <laughs> I'll leave. <laughs> yeah, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, he's just like, all right, well, everybody seems to have it. <laughs> um, so this is sort of the end of the movie. Max is kind of uh, cozying up to Travis now that he saved him his life. It's really the only, re- only reason we were given. Um, yeah. And then Kazam is seen spending some time with Asia Moon, who's ordering him to get a job. Yeah. And then Shaq doing all the facial expression things. Um, a job? Uh, I haven't had a job in 5,000 years. That was the first time for everything. <laughs> Sassy black lady. Yep. And then credits roll. roll. That, and that's Kazam. Yeah. It was boring. Yeah, um, yeah. I didn't love this movie at all. Uh, yeah, I I wouldn't say I loved it. I I I was I wasn't as bored as you were. Um, but it, it I usually take the scale of how bored I am is how many times I check the time counter mm-hmm. on the thing, and I maybe checked it like twice. Um, okay. You know, like the one time I was like, one like it seemed like an act change occurred, and I'm like, how far are we in this movie? And, and I just had to look, and then and then at the end, I'm like, this has got to get close to the end, um, and then and then checked at that point. But no, no, it was, yeah. As I as as I had said before, it's 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 fine, <laughs> you know. Um, I'm sure it's it's a kids movie that probably would have played for kids in 1996, but not anything you'll show your kids today. Like, okay. Like just because of um, other movies of the era, like Space Jam. You know, uh, even though that going back on it, it's not as good of a movie as you remember it being um, as a child. Um, It does have the Looney Tunes in it, so you can probably get, you know, a a five to eight year old to at least enjoy it um, just because of their antics in the Mm -hmm. movie. Um, This has none of that. Um, But yeah, it's a very of its time movie. Sure. I think one of the problems I have with this movie is that it tries to do too much. Um, and I, I don't mean that it's like it's not particularly ambitious. There's just like a, a few storyline, a lot of storylines in this movie where yeah. it doesn't really need that. It's like you could probably pare this down. You could probably get rid of like this this gang, this, this gangland kids yeah. um, beating up Max left and right. You could probably you could probably lift his the whole plot line with his dad out, and you could really simplify it to more about Max and Kazam. And I think it would probably be a little bit better. Um, maybe flesh out the the relationship between his mom and him a little bit yeah. more than just like every other scene is just like, Max, you're out late again. 
And then you're, he's like, well, I hate you, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Why didn't you tell me about my real dad? Um, like, yeah. like you, could, you could have the dad in, but I don't, I'm not interested in the whole, like, oh, he's a gangster thing. It's yeah, like, yeah. You, you need a villain, um, and you could have just made the dad being not what the kid thought his dad would be um, as, like, the antagonist villain type part of this movie. Um, and Kazan making him come to terms with that. And, you know, he could have done that. Um, but they decided I, to go with the very simple thing of making a foreign gangster be the, the villain of the movie. I think what could what could have worked would have been like a more... Because um, Kazam is supposed to have been in that bottle for about 3,000 years. Like a fish out of water sort of thing. Oh, you could have uh, done that. Yeah. So you do that and then you 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 pair that with his like... His rapping and his uh, all uh, like a sudden stardom sort of thing, and then you know he's a little he gets a little big headed and he forgets about his duty to Max, I guess, um, and keep that storyline sort of like that, flesh that yeah. out a little bit more. Yeah, and you could have had the you know just his natural rhyming as part of being a genie is now like something that the culture uh, of the country you woke up in like embraces and celebrates rather than he was probably just weird back in you know egypt or wherever he was when he was first you know turned into a genie um and just have that sort of oh i'm just i'm just talking i'm not really doing anything you know and and then that's how you do the rise to stardom thing i think they try to do that where he goes i don't know what to do and he was like well just Talk about, you know, just tell a story or whatever Max says to him before they go into the musical interlude. Yeah, like I said, I think I think there are too many things that they do half-assed. Yeah. Like you t- you lift the whole crime aspect out of it, both in the, the punk kids and the whole dad thing. And I think you'll have more time to flesh out like interest, whatever you could consider more interesting, yeah. which is a rapping genie kind of. Uh, finding his way in modern or 1996 New York, you know, yeah. like oh, what, what, like have a hilarious dress dressing montage of like, you yeah. know, he's dressed like a, a genie. Like you can't go around walking like that. We'll get you <laughs> some new clothes. They yeah. gotta go to a big and tall shop because he's seven foot one at 290 <laughs> pounds. And then like you have like this sassy gay guy who is like, oh my god, this is the the biggest project they've ever had, but I'm going to w- make it work. Yeah. And then you have a hilarious uh, costume change montage. Yeah. And if this was made in the mid, mid to late two thousands, it could have been one of the queer eye guys. Yeah. Was your, was I your was cameo of, role. I was thinking of Lothos from Beetlejuice. Nope. That would work in that time frame. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> if we kept it in 96. Yes. Like if it's the last thing I'm going to do, I'm going to make you a star or something like that. <laughs> And then, like, uh, I don't know, uh, Starships, Nothing's Gonna Stop Us Now plays or something. <laughs> I think I'm just thinking of Mannequin at this point. Yeah, you're just, you're just, you're just creating Mannequin. Because, <laughs> like, that could be Hollywood, right? Yeah, very much so. <laughs> yeah, you just created uh, Mannequin 3. Okay, so the, the, genie. the way to make Kazam better is to just redo Mannequin <laughs> with Shaquille O'Neal. With Shaquille O'Neal. All right, yeah. yeah. That's that's how you make this movie better. Got it. Nice. Glad we talked through that. <laughs> uh, so, uh, question for you, Mark. Yes. Um, 
Do, uh, do you have do you have any ways to ways you think you can make this better? Uh, I essentially agree with most of what you said um, in terms of you just simplify it and make it a much more streamlined, easy to follow kids movie. And I think it comes across much better. Um, I think the most interesting relationships in the movie is Kazam and and the kid and the mother to some extent. Um, everything else seems superfluous. Um, maybe even a couple more scenes with that teacher, like uh, just doing sassy, you know, teacher, he's a bad kid in school thing. Um, then the two scenes they do might have might have worked better. Uh, but yeah, it, it's essentially that the whole crime thing. Um, I, I, I guess they thought they needed. Like I said, they needed a villain and they thought it was easy just to do a, a foreign crime boss um, sort of villain than actually think about the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, it, it essentially it's, it's one of those where I know I say this for a lot of the crappy movies we say, we see, but I guess it's true about anything that's really gets produced. There's only certain things that are absolute shit, um, that have no redeeming qualities. Is there always is like a piece of a good movie in there? Um, it's just that the people didn't see that piece and, um, you know, and just did, you know, did uh, quantity over quality. Um, and that's essentially what this movie is. Mm-hmm. I'm just looking at um, Starsky's uh, directing. Did you know he directed The Running Man? No. Yeah. So he did a few movies you might know. Mm-hmm. In, so he did The Running Man, The Cutting Edge, <gasps> the, the Air Up There, and okay. Kazam, four movies in a row. Those were his. Those were from Olympic? eighty-seven to ninety-six. Ah, uh, D.B. Sweeney and Maura Kelly. Yeah. Uh, Do you remember the air up there too? Where Kevin uh, Bacon I, goes to Africa. Yes, I've seen it. Um, I've just seen um, the Cutting Edge more because it used to pop up on those um, million-dollar movies on uh, ABC down here in, in Philly at like on Fridays and Saturdays at like midnight. Mm. And it'd be like, ooh, I'm staying up late as like a, a 12, 13 year old, you know, <laughs> to watch the cutting edge. I don't know. It was the only, only the it was the only interesting movie that ever came on there. Like the only <laughs> other ones I remembered was like there was like a John Ritter movie that was terrible um, that popped on there. And then there what was like, it called. Was it the one where he gets sucked into his satellite dish? I don't think so. Oh, yeah, I it was. I would have enjoyed that. And remembered that, but it was just Ooh, like that might be a future, uh, yeah, future episode. Yeah, and then there was like probably one of those like crime like thriller movies that popped on. But I just remember uh, Cutting Edge popped up a couple times on there, and I just remember watching it. Um, but yeah, and and also it 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 doesn't hurt that um, I rediscovered more Kelly later. You know, when One Tree Hill came on the air. Um, but you always, got, you always get it in there. One always get it in. Let's get it in. I'm I'm just super surprised of, Mal, of Paul Michael. I had no idea he did the running. I I had no idea he had like a directing I, career. Yeah, and hearing all those movies, um, it always it, it does make sense now. Um, I don't know how much he's involved with the writing, but at least two of those had you know had like maybe a crime element to it that could have slightly been modified or lifted, and just felt like. You Wait, know, is there a crime element to? The cutting edge. Yeah, I think it has something. It, it has some kind of Russian thing or something, or maybe, maybe I'm misremembering part of it. 
but um, I know it has something to do with with the other Russian team and the coach, her coach or something. Gotcha. Um, you know, because I think he's a Russian coach, but yeah. Um, but you know, it makes sense that they of the three of those you know movies do all seem kind of alike <laughs> in, in a directing style. It's kind of like like this is the only thing yeah. that he is credited as as a writer besides one episode of Starsky and Hutch. I I would love to pick his brain about why he what made him do this movie. I'm assuming he had the idea of a rapping genie. That's probably your answer. I'm sh- I'm sure that's But the I want to know why he I... came up with that idea. I could listen to him talk about that for a half an hour of just the the inception of the idea of Kazam. Coming up in a future, they call this a movie. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No. If we get get a Paul Michael Glazer interview, I would love that. I'm pretty sure he's still alive. Yeah, hopefully. Um, yeah, I, it's just, it's it's baffling to me that this guy had only one idea in his head. For a movie, and it happened to be a rapping genie movie. <laughs> oh, like God, that's that's, that's like if he had like three or four more movies, like to his credit, I'd be like, okay, well, you know, he had a couple of ideas that he wanted to get down, and he, you know, wanted to direct, but he had one idea. That was it. That was it. Rapping like, genie. This was his magnum opus. He's like, one day when he's on Starsky and Hutch, when he's reading scripts, and he's just getting tired of it because it's in like season eight. He's just like. One day, one day, I am going to make a rapping genie movie. <laughs> and he saw, he saw blue chips, and he's like, "It's time." Yep, I found my man. I, I found, found my Kazam. Yeah, <laughs> he pulled. He went into the the lowest drawer in his desk. <laughs> he pulled that, out the script. That is a pull quote if I ever heard one. It's just, it's just so, it's mind-boggling to, to think yeah. about that. Uh, but yeah, I'm sur- yeah, 1996. I'm surprised I never saw this in theaters. I would just turned 11, both of us. July yeah. 17th, it was released. Yeah, surprised we didn't see it for our birthdays. Uh, so our question of the week this week yeah. uh, is, uh, I'm gonna do two questions, but our first one is the one we discussed. Um, <laughs> what do you consider the best, like? performance by a athlete in a movie so um i i asked if i could expand this off because my favorite performance by an athlete um was on a tv show and it was um rick fox in oz when uh okay. rick, rick rick fox goes to to jail um as like a uh a, I, I think it's like a, a um like something he's a basketball player you know um outside so um, they go and he he gets arrested for something, probably drugs or something like that. Um, but while he's in in jail, he finds out that one of the guards is actually like a really good basketball player. Um, but he just took this job as a guard. So, you know, uh, they have the whole thing where, you know, he's trying to help him out, but he's still still a bad guy as, a you know, in prison there. And then the whole scene where he gets mad about the. Um, you know, the whole guard might be getting a chance at the NBA thing. Um, and then when he gets a chance, he has the, the prison people um, slice the guy's uh, Achilles um, while, they're in a, while they're in a prison fight. And just his performance over that is, is pretty well done. 
okay. um, but I remember. And yeah, it's led to, you know, he pops up every so often, randomly. I think he's, he might have done some guest starring stuff. But um, that role came out of nowhere because I didn't know Rick Fox wanted to do any acting. And mm-hmm. I was watching Odds at the time. I'm like, oh, that's Rick Fox. You know, sort of, and, and it, was, it was pretty surprising um, and to me. Um, do you want a movie one still or? Sure. Um, yeah, so I mentioned it earlier. Um, even though he was dull and dry, um, I thought he played well off of uh, Denzel, um, Ray Allen. Um, uh, just, just the way uh, Denzel's character was in that movie. I thought having a guy that looks meek and shy a little bit like Ray Allen um you know it was able to build that character in that movie um while he might not have the best acting chops i actually i actually enjoy that movie um as a movie and he doesn't do anything to deter it um like some of the other uh, athletes turn actors um do even in even in serious roles okay interesting yeah. i don't think i've ever seen he got game yeah it's yeah it's where he uh the only NBA athlete that got his nickname uh, it named after his movie character, you know, it was just everybody called him Shuttlesworth because mm-hmm. that was his, you know, that's such that's such a great acting athlete name, right? Jesus Shuttlesworth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm trying to think of my answer. Um, I might say Alex Karras in okay. Blazing Saddles. He's pretty good in that. Yeah, um, as well as uh, I'm gonna say, uh, Kareem and Airplane is a good one. Yeah, well, we already uh, do. We want to announce our scale. Our scale, yeah. You could go ahead and announce yeah. it. Yeah. So our scale for athletes and movies goes from uh, Kevin Durant in Thunderstruck to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in Airplane. <laughs> yeah. that, that is the top and the bottom um, of acting. Um, and, and we, we limit it to actors that come straight from, you know, like they were, they were known as athletes, um, before doing movies. Sure. Like, yeah. like, like the only one that kind of toes the line there, depending on how much you want to consider college sports is, you know, Mark Harmon from NCIS, mm-hmm. you know, played college football at UCLA, sure. um, and was pretty good. Uh, but he didn't, didn't really do much in the NFL. So it's mm-hmm. really the line you want to draw, but you know guys like Kareem and Michael and you know um, Ray Allen and Kevin Durant and you know all those, those those are the types of performances that we put in this scale. Sure, actually, you know who's actually probably a really great answer for this um, is OJ. OJ is fantastic in the Naked Gun movies. Well, we completely avoid it because <laughs> <laughs> it's like ah. Yeah, Fred Williamson and From Dusk Till Dawn is a good yeah. one. Bubba Smith in the Police Academy movies. Yeah, uh, like there's good ones. Dwayne the Rock Johnson, on. if you want to get, if you want to, yeah, go into wrestling. I guess. Well, no, he didn't do much in college. I think he played one year at Miami before getting yeah. hurt. But Carl but yeah. Weathers. Yeah. I don't know what his. I don't know what his professional career was in terms of. No, there's uh, there's not much. Uh, Matt Pataglia. <laughs> so are you talking about raven's own matt Pataglia? yes uh there's there's a lot of ones like that where guys were like um i think uh, one of the golics was was on a say by the bell um for for like the college years gotcha 
Um, oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> like, those are, like, stretching it. But, um, yeah, yeah, the, yeah, yeah, straight athletes to movies is, is rare. Um, that, that, that works out. And like you said, unfortunately, OJ and Kareem are probably the top two, um, mm-hmm. in terms of doing that. Um, but we'll, we'll leave Kareem at the top just so. Yeah. We, we um, that, there's always Dennis that. Rodman in, in, uh, little hoop dreams or, or double team. <laughs> you haven't seen little hoop dreams. That one's pretty. No, it's not. <laughs> Where he slurs all his lines. Oh God. Yeah. yeah. Uh so I think I think that's gonna wrap it up today. So yeah. nice and breezy one where we're clocking in at a hundred and fifteen minutes. Or an hour and fifteen minutes. Fifteen minutes, yeah. That's uh, usually what happens. Yeah. Uh do you have any plugs, Mark? Yeah, just the typical ones. You know, uh we got Stranger Damies uh coming up. Um it was uh episode sixty eight was posted yesterday. Um uh when this goes up. So be sure to check it out. Um, we are we are coming up on a nice episode um, next week. Uh, so um, be on the lookout for that. Um, still haven't decided if that's going to be the latest session we did beginning or if I'm going to split in half um, what I got left of the last session. Um, it just depends on what it clocks in at after editing. Um, but yeah, so be on the lookout. You know, uh, Google Play, Apple. Anywhere you listen to podcasts, um, follow the Stranger Damies account, um, which uh, uh, Dan does most of the posting over there. Um, and he may answer your questions between the times he's um, either talking or flirting with a Lich King. I can't really tell most of the time. Um, so, yeah, yeah, just follow us there. And, and obviously, you know, um, you know, um, Main Damie does. Um, you know some writing and um and we might pop up on you know geek five nation stuff uh so be on the lookout uh, if you're listening to it on that feed that you might see us uh you know outside of these podcasts yeah you just did an episode of the best and worst action movies, movies. of all time which seems perfect for our podcast here that i was chosen for that one yeah you had a couple of great answers for worst ones um, yes and i think you surprised a few people with the existence of either of those movies yeah, yeah, and also for some reason surprised some of them with Big Trouble in Little China. There you go. There which you go. was like, I'm like, good, I'm educating people. <laughs> go watch that movie. That movie's great. Um, and also to, uh, for the first time ever, amend something. Um, I did watch John Wick. Um, so it might have to amend Fast Five being the greatest action movie of the last 20 years. Because <gasps> John Wick is pretty fucking amazing. Great. I love to hear this. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, as Mark mentioned, we're, we're busy. We're doing all stuff. Uh, hopefully next week, I think we're going to, we're, we might post a little bit late, but hopefully we'll be in on time, but we're going to try and do something special next week for, uh, Godzilla will be coming yeah. out next week. Uh, so we're going to try and get Dan on as he is away. We might have to, push it out a little bit but hopefully we'll be able to post by thursday yeah. um we are they call this a movie and you can find us on any podcast streaming app by just simply searching they call this a movie um basically stitcher itunes any anything you could get the podcast on we should basically pop up 
Um, we are the main Damie. We can find us at the main Um, we are on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at the main Damie. Uh, they called this movie is at they called movie.podbean.com. Um, so that's the main Podbean website. You can stream straight off of there. Um, if you have any questions or comments, feel free to email us at the main at gmail.com. You can, uh, suggest a movie to watch, um, or, uh, tell us that we suck. Um, <laughs> What really helps us out is if you uh, go on to iTunes and give us a five-star rating. If you are even being even more generous, a review is always welcome. Um, even if you don't like us, you know, just tell us tell us you're out there, basically. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mark, you are at Off the Mark Tweet on Twitter, right? right? And I am at Ant Delvec. Um, this has been our episode on Kazam. Um, for some reason, directed by Paul Michael Glazer. <laughs> so for Mark Myers and the absent Dan Aquino, this is Anthony Delvecchio telling Paul Michael Glazer to go fuck himself. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.